I want to, again, welcome you this morning. Thanks for being here with us. Today's a big day at Highland. It's our outreach contribution, as I mentioned earlier. So if you're a guest with us and you may not know what's going on, this is the way that we support about 30 ministries, both in the city and around the world, through a twice-annual outreach contribution. We call these Go Sundays. And so if you want more information about that, these pamphlets are available out in the commons area. And inside is listed pretty much most, most of the ministries that we support. So I'd encourage you to pick up one of those and grab it if you're a guest or if you're a member and you're just trying to remember what, all, what are all the ministries we support, you might do that. David Jordan, who's the president and CEO of Agape Child and Family Services that was featured in that, that video there, is with us today. And he forwarded that video along to me about Maya a few months ago, and I've been thinking about it a lot since. Agape, of course, is one of the ministries we support today when we give, and we're going to give right at the end of this sermon during a video. So if you want to prepare for that, you can. But I thought about having David here to shed a little bit more light on what Maya was experiencing and how Agape served her. So he's going to join me in just a minute. But I've been thinking about that video a lot since he sent it to me, and and the the theme it, it brings up, the topic it brings up of domestic violence. Did you know, you know, that Domestic violence affects, let me, let me make sure I get this number right, yeah. Did you know that it affects one in three women? One in three women are experience abuse by an intimate partner, one in three. One, for one in four of those women, the abuse will be severe. Every minute in the United States, 20 people are abused by an intimate partner, every minute. Every day, about 20,000 calls go into domestic uh, violence hotlines in the United States. 20,000 every day in the United States. Um, only about 34% of the women who are abused by an intimate partner will get medical help. Only about 34%. But nearly all of them will lose a job at some point because of the domestic violence. Many of them will become depressed. Many will entertain suicidal thoughts. I think one of the sad realities is the church has not talked a lot about domestic violence, this stuff that goes on in the home, kind of outside of the watching eye of most folks. But as you see from those stats, we're not talking about something that a guy here or there has done. Okay, we're talking about an epidemic, right? A power that has infested homes around the world, homes even in the church, right? So why why should we... Why should we care about that? You know, occasionally the church has probably overlooked this, but the reality is scripture does not overlook this. Scripture goes to great lengths to talk about the really dangerous and vulnerable position of women and children. And yet sometimes, like we read in Psalm 10, the innocent are crushed, they collapse, they fall victim to superior strength. So I think sometimes we kind of shrug our shoulders at that reality, because what are we going to do about this? I mean, this is happening behind closed doors. We don't know where it's happening. I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? But it's not only that that we kind of shrug our shoulders not knowing what to do, but psychologist Lenore Walker says that women with strong religious backgrounds, so women with strong religious backgrounds, are less likely to believe that violence against them is wrong. They're more likely to attribute that violence to God's will, God's plan for their life. So let me say this as clearly as possible. Abuse is not God's plan for any woman or child, right? It is not God's plan. And not only does God call on us to protect those vulnerable women and children, and you might read a passage like Proverbs 24, 11, and 12 when you go home today, but not only does God call on us to do that, but God himself is defending the fatherless, 
the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. So that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Well, how is God doing that? How is God defending those folks? Well, I think like you saw in that video, there's no doubt God is doing that through Agape Child and Family Services. And so I wanna bring up David Jordan here. He's the president and CEO of Agape, like I mentioned earlier. And he's gonna share just a little bit more about this. And then I'll return and wrap us up before we take up our outreach contribution. David. Thank you, Eric. Good morning. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with uh, the Highland Church. Uh, for those who have not been at Highland uh, as long, Highland has been a part of and even helped start Agape in 1970, so for 48 years. So I'm thankful for this church and our long history and long relationship. The number one reason Memphis Police Department roll their wheels, I am told, year after year is because of domestic violence and family violence. Over 15,000 times when you see MPD out, they're seeing and going out because of domestic violence. Domestic violence, in my opinion, is the antithesis of the church, of community, of kingdom come. It is the complete breakdown and isolation. Maya, who you saw, over half of her life was given to violence as a victim and domestic violence. She wanted you to know that she experienced physical, emotional, and sexual abuse as a child and experienced domestic violence as a young adult from the age of 14 to the age of 29. Even prior to that, she experienced as a kid with her mom, seeing her mom in a violent relationship where she, her mom, was abused. So Maya told me, I just grew up thinking that was the norm. That's just the way it goes. That's how life is, at least the life I knew. When Maya was 17, she had a boyfriend, and the boyfriend just beat her, beat her terribly. And she said, David, I had no community. I had nobody available to me. And then she made these three quotes. And when she and I talked end of last year, she wanted me to tell these to you and to churches as I speak. She said that she thought something was wrong with her. That the just hideousness of domestic violence often is the victim thinks it's about them. They're made to think it's you. And she said, why do people always hit me? Why is that their response to me? And then she said, I thought I was destined with no hope. I would have to always live this way. And then she said, though domestic violence by its nature will isolate you, she said, I isolated myself because I didn't, I didn't want anyone to know what I was going through. She was ashamed. So while the very domestic violence will be very isolating in its nature, it flips itself and she wanted to be by herself. Hearing these kind of things can be hard because I have no doubt in a crowd this large, there are people that know exactly what I'm talking about. Whether you or those that you know. And the pain of this is extraordinary. Maya turned a corner and it was a hard corner 
she mentioned a man that she was with tried to suffocate her and to bring her to death. And she came into the FIT ministry about nine years ago. And it's a ministry that provides housing, wraparound services, holistically trying to serve. And she said, David, I didn't know what love was. I didn't know what unconditional love was. I didn't know what it meant for me to be able to be loved without having to give something else. Quid pro quo. I didn't know what that was. And then she said, with tears in her eyes, I literally could not look at myself in the mirror without crying. I thought I was ugly. It's the very opposite of what Psalms would say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. She did not hear those words. She was in the FIT ministry, the FIT program for nearly two years, did phenomenal and hard work, she and her kids. And as she ended and left, she was in college, and she is almost a complete to be able to be a cosmetologist and have her own business. Her kids, the three kids you saw, had real difficulty. Kids living and experiencing that in the home is as if they are themselves experience the very same thing as their mom most often. Through counseling, through mentors from churches, those going in the schools, we're in the 16 schools our kids and families are in, having those there in after-school tutoring, mentoring program, her kids are doing really well now. And as was mentioned, she said, I can't just receive this without giving back. And so she now is a volunteer for Agape in our fit ministry, serving moms, knowing exactly what they've gone through. Praise God. We have taken this ministry and we've said because domestic violence is so prevalent. We've said, what if we expand what we're doing? We're serving about 50 families at a time, but what if we try to scale this and go into communities and do this at a larger level? Nine years ago, we said, let's go into Frazier, let's go into Whitehaven, let's go into Hickory Hill. While Agape has historically done a lot of foster care, we don't do nearly as much now. We've said, let's go in the communities where those kids and families live before they come into foster care, and nearly 50% of all the kids from those communities come into foster care. That's where they come from. And let's be with them in the apartments, in areas where domestic violence is phenomenally, I mean, it is just, it's epidemic. And let's walk alongside. So in that family where there's a two-year-old, where there's a second grader, where there's a ninth grader, where there's mom, dad, auntie, uncle in that home, let's holistically wrap around. Let's be in those kids' schools. Let's help mom and dad, aunt and uncle around job. Let's address with counseling and address the trauma. Let's enhance safety. Let's fully wrap around and let's move the needle of poverty in our city. 47% of our kids, one out of every two kids in Memphis, live in poverty. We need to hear that and feel it. Domestic violence has its own aspect to that. And so we are trying to move the needle of poverty by one percentage point a year for the next 10 years and all that that implies. Proverbs 10:15. the poverty of the poor, the poverty of the poor is their ruin. Nothing wrong with being poor, but the poverty of the poor, being without relationship, being without community, being out with net network, being out without having access to income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, having 
community around you. And I'm thinking, I see Buster. I appreciate Buster and Donnie in the, the Highland Youth Group who continue to be a part of the work uh, in some of our areas, especially in Frazier. So I asked Maya, I said, Maya, when I speak to churches, what would you like me to say to them? And here's what she told me end of last year. She said, I wished then, and this was prior to coming to fit, I wish then, when I was in domestic violence, I had someone I could talk to. And so while she said, you would have met me and I, you would have thought there's no way that person wants to talk to me, I probably would have pushed them away. You might even have said, she's got attitude. She said, in my heart and in my being, I wanted so badly for somebody to be there to talk to me. She said, you know, I know there are lots of churches in Memphis. There are over 2,000, by the way. She picked this number out. She said, I hope there will be five churches who would step up and say, no more. Five churches who would say, we're going to do something about domestic violence and helping families and those in poverty, and we're really going to step up. Because she said, it made the world a difference for me. And then the last thing she said, David, just try to have them visualize. Just imagine, just imagine what it must have been like for me in my situation. Just imagine. And then ask them, what would you do? And how can you help? I know Maya would say, thank you for your giving. And that's very important. But Maya would say, don't stop there. This is more than writing a check today. The check's important. But the check will not help Maya. So I've talked with Eric, Chris, the ministry team, the group here. And we're going to launch an Agape ministry committee that's connected here at Highland. Debbie Edwards, who is a board member, also Jimmy Atkins, Tammy Phillips, all three are board members for Agape. Outside, there is a, uh, a place that you can come. You'll see some of our signage. And if you would like, not only in giving financially, but you would say, well, I want to help Amaya. I want to help someone like Maya. And I want to be a volunteer. I want to come alongside her. I want to come alongside maybe her child or children. I want to be a mentor in the school, and we're in all 16 schools that our kids go to. I want to come to the apartment community and be able to be there in after school and help in all the chaos that's going on. I want to be there to help. I want to help with a special event. I want to put some skin in the game. Because here's what Maya said as I close. David, I knew God. I had heard about God. I went to church and sat in pews, but I did not know God. I did not experience God. And I surely didn't know his love until people with skin, God in them, wrapped themselves around me and loved me and walked with me and helped me. God bless you, Highland, as you give today. But I want to encourage you to give today.
wherever you at, wherever you serve. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. So what I was most struck by and what David had to say was that Maya said, I wish five churches would take the domestic violence cause and speak into it, right? They would get involved in that. And, and my question is, why does Maya feel like the church needs to be part of that conversation? You know, we're, we're having this much larger conversation in our world right now about the way that men treat women. And Maya just has this impulse that the church should be part of that conversation. Why does she feel that way? Well, you know, I think possibly one reason is like we read in Psalm 11, the wicked, those who love violence, he, God, hates with a passion. Like there's not many places we read in the Bible where God hates somebody with a passion. That's not typically our Sunday school message, right? Right? But it's there. It's a little bit hard to swallow. Okay, but I don't think that's the only reason Maya feels it. I think Maya believes the church should be part of this bigger conversation because the gospel has something to say about the way people treat each other and specifically the way men treat women. So what Paul says is that the way men treat women is grounded in the fact that Jesus treats the church really well. Okay, the church is the bride of Christ. Paul says, right? And so Paul has this to say. He says, husbands, because of that, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, Christ does not abuse his church. You know, Christ does not do violence to his church. Christ is not unfaithful to his church. He is loyal. He is loving. He treats his church really well. So I think, I mean, do you, do you realize what's at stake here when we talk about Maya's story? I mean, we need to stand up and defend Maya because God tells us to. We need to defend Maya because God is defending Maya. And we need to, to defend Maya and others like her because God desires this world where mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror, right? But we need to defend Maya because when we stand up and say that there is a right and righteous way for men to treat women, we are also declaring that Jesus treats his church rightly and righteously, right? That Jesus is trustworthy and that he's loving and that he's sacrificial. When we stand up on Maya's behalf and say no to the world, right? Maya deserves better. We're preaching the gospel. Do you see that? Right? Like that's what's missing from this larger conversation about the way men treat women in the world is that they're, they're removing Jesus from the whole equation, right? But like Paul tells us Jesus is faithful and loving. And so that's how we know the way that a man should treat a woman. And so that's what you're gonna do here in just a moment. Right? You're gonna open up your pocketbooks and you're gonna give really sacrificially. You're gonna do that to support Agape and women like Maya and her kids. You're gonna do that to support ministries at La Rose, ministries to foster, children in foster care and adoption. You're gonna support missionaries across the world, right? And the reason you're doing that is that at this moment when you give these dollars, you're declaring to the world something about the gospel of Jesus Christ, like that it matters, that it's worth investing in, that it's worth spreading to all corners of the world because without the gospel, this world is lost, right? right? That's what you're investing in right now. And so I challenge you, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna give really sacrificially during this video in just a moment as I pray. And, and guys, if you're one of the ones that's gonna pass the plates, if you wouldn't mind, making your way back there and I'll pray and we'll pass those plates during the video. Let me challenge you. As you give in this moment that you're, you're given for Maya's sake, 
so that you can tell the world there's a right way for a man to treat a woman. But also in this moment, you're given for Christ's sake. And you're declaring to the world that Christ treats his church rightly and righteously. And in return, we share those great blessings he's given us. Let's pray right now, and then we'll take up this outreach contribution. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for this moment, this day. I'm thankful for the way that you have been at work through Agape Child and Family Services for over 40 years. I'm thankful for David's tireless leadership of that ministry. I'm thankful for all those who work alongside him. I'm thankful for those at this church who are investing themselves to make a difference in the lives of the women and children that Agape serves. I'm thankful for those in this church who are sharing their lives, their resources, their blessings with ministries in Memphis and around the world because they care about seeing your gospel go to the ends of the earth. God, we know that you've told us the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I pray that in this moment, not only will you stir our hearts to give, but that you might stir up some laborers to go into your harvest field. God, we love you and we adore you and we care above all else that you are glorified in the earth and that your gospel is shared with all people. And so we pray for our generous hearts in this moment that you'll move us to support your work in your kingdom here. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.